Hey everybody, I'm Gretchen Purser and this is The Mess Is Mine, the podcast where we talk about faith and politics and all the things. Thanks for stopping by. And if you like what you hear, consider stopping over at Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review or some stars. It just helps other people find us. So thanks for tuning in for season three. I've gotten a little bit later start than I had hoped for this season, given that it's February, but I've just had kind of a lot on my plate, like a lot of people, I think. I mean, I feel like it was New Year's Eve yesterday, and it's already almost the middle of February. You know, I'm not alone. I mean, I think everybody I know has got their hands full with their kids or their parents or their kids and their parents. Everybody's got plenty to say grace over these days. So in addition to politics and faith and stuff, we're going to talk about some of those issues as well. And for me, one of the biggest issues is just how fast things are moving. Not just politics or the news cycle, but just life. The days and weeks are just flying by, and for me, it's moving extra fast because our babyest bear is getting ready to graduate from high school. And so we've been doing college visits and making college decisions and doing those senior kinds of things, you know, and it makes one stop and think. I mean, he can't go to college. He's only four years old. (laughs) I know. I know y'all feel me. And through this process, one of the big questions we've been asking, Charlie, is what do you want? Where do you see yourself? What kind of future do you want to craft for yourself? And that theme kept running through my mind last night as I was watching State of the Union because, yes, I'm a big nerd and I always watch the State of the Union. And listening to the speech and watching the spectacle and then the commentary afterward, it just made me wonder, like, well, what is it that we want? As Americans, as Republicans or Democrats or Independents, as people of faith, as people of goodwill, because I believe most people are, what is it that we want? And much like a high school senior, it can be kind of overwhelming to think about what we want. We don't know what we want, but we better figure it out because 2024 is right around the corner and the train's moving fast. So I got some 24 numbers for you, but first we're going to talk about the State of the Union. We're going to fact check it a little bit and I'll give you the highlights because like everything else these days, it was anything but normal. I'll also give you a couple of definitions and throw in a fun fact. All right, let's dig in. I start tonight by congratulating the 118th Congress and the new Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. So it starts off friendly enough. The President comes in to the usual fanfare, and then he immediately congratulates Kevin McCarthy, the new Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House is usually a slam-dunk vote, but it took Kevin McCarthy 15 rounds to get there, which is second only to the guy in 1855. It took him 133 votes. So that's 118 ballots fewer, so good for you, my Kevin. All right, fact check number one, jobs. Two years ago, the economy was reeling. I stand here tonight after we've created, with the help of many people in this room, 12 million new jobs. More jobs created in two years than any president's created in four years. True, with a caveat. 12 million new jobs have been created, but a lot of those jobs had been lost during COVID. So some of this is a bounce back. But yes, there are a lot of new jobs, and we're at 3.4% unemployment, which is the lowest it's been in 54 years. And even though inflation is still high, a lot of economists are starting to say that we may be headed toward a soft landing rather than a recession. So that would be good news for the economy. Fact check number two, trade. For too many decades, we imported projects and exported jobs. Now, thanks to what you've all done, we're exporting American products and creating American jobs. Mm, Partially true. So exports have increased, and that's a good thing. But the problem, and the thing he doesn't mention, is that imports have also increased by a higher rate. So that's what's called a trade deficit. We are shipping out less than we're shipping in. So we kind of only reported the good part of that one. 
Let's keep going. Fact check number three, infrastructure. We used to be number one in the world in infrastructure. We've sunk to 13th in the world. Technically true. Quick refresher, infrastructure means stuff like bridges and roads and things we use. And so technically he's right. If you count all the countries like the teeny tiny ones like Monaco, we're number 13. But if you count the ones that are our size, the ones with lots of landmass like China, Russia, Canada, Australia, we're still number one. Issue number four, corporate tax. The idea that in 2020, 55 of the largest corporations in America, the Fortune 500, made $40 billion in profits and paid zero in federal taxes? It's simply not fair. Not fair, but true. Companies like AT&T and AIG paid zero in taxes, and other companies like Ford and Chevron and General Motors and Exxon paid less than 3%, even when we were paying more for gas prices. Now, Biden's bill did correct that a little bit, bumped it up to 15% over a certain level, which should work for a while until they find more loopholes. Fifth and final issue for this episode, guns. Ban assault weapons now. Ban them now. Once and for all. I led the fight to do that in 1994. In, in 10 years, that ban was law. Mass shootings went down. After we let it expire in the Republican administration, mass shootings tripled. Also true. So this brings us to definition number one. Assault weapons is what's called a sunset bill, which is a temporary bill. It'd be either extended or made permanent later on. Bill Clinton passed it in 1994, so it was due to expire in 2004. So by then, George W. Bush was president. And it might surprise you to learn that George W. Bush was for a 21 age, not 18. He was for trigger locks and background checks and waiting periods. And he also would have signed this legislation, but the GOP Congress never sent it to him. So for the last 19 years, these guns have been readily available. So now we're in February of 2023, and we've already had 54 mass shootings so far this year. Great job, team. And in case you missed it, there's Republican members of Congress wearing uh, AR-15 lapel pins just to show their support for the gun. You know, nothing says God loves you like a semi-automatic weapon lapel pin, really. I mean, y'all, who are these people? All right, so we've covered the policy parts of the speech. Um, it did get a little rowdy, I will say. Uh, and this is the part that's, that's, that's not really normal for the State of the Union to be so rambunctious. I mean, there's not generally crowd participation. <laughs> Under the previous administration, the American deficit went up four years in a row. Nearly 25% of the entire national debt that took over 200 years to accumulate was added by just one administration alone, the last that one. That is true. They're the facts. Check it out. Yeah, they didn't like hearing that, but it got worse. Check it out. And, you know, once upon a time, the Republicans were the party of fiscal responsibility, but we haven't been that for a good long time, y'all. And yes, COVID did cost a lot of money, but Trump was spending money like a drunken sailor long before COVID came along. So because we have so much debt, Biden's asking them to extend the debt ceiling. That's a good time for a definition. Debt ceiling. The easiest way to explain it is to explain what it isn't. This is not like calling American Express and asking them to increase your debt limit so you can go to Tahiti. It's more like borrowing money from your parents to pay your American Express bill because you already went to Tahiti. If we don't lift the debt ceiling, we default on our loans and the whole world like melts down into a global financial crisis. It would not be good. So they were already riled up because he talked about how much money Trump spent. But Instead then he said this. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. 
Y'all, this doesn't happen. This isn't the parliament. We don't just yell and throw tomatoes and stuff. This is not normal. I mean, it's not even close to normal. And so it goes on like this for a while. There's back and forth. I mean, he, he's like a stand-up comedian, like talking to the heckler in the back of the room. And then Marjorie Taylor Greene stands up and screams, liar, liar, like she's on Jerry Springer. Which, by the way, can I just say, like, Democrats don't do that stuff. No matter what Donald Trump said, no Democrat ever stood up at the State of the Union and called him a liar. The last time this happened was 14 years ago when a South Carolina Republican stood up and screamed at Barack Obama. Tacky, tacky, tacky. So it was just chaos for a while because the truth is the Senate committee chairman, who happens to be from Florida, Senator Rick Scott, actually did say that he wanted to sunset Social Security and Medicare. It's in writing. They all know that. So when Biden calls them out, their only option as they're standing there on camera is to commit to not touching Social Security or Medicare. I mean, those are the third rail of entitlements. You don't touch those. Honestly, it was kind of brilliant. So for all y'all out there that just think, oh, Joe Biden's lost his mind, he's teetering, he's old, he fell off his bike, blah, blah, blah. That may be true, but he's still able to get stuff done. In fact, another fun fact, Joe Biden has passed more bipartisan legislation and gotten more done in his first two years than most recent presidents have. Look it up. I mean, it's, it's remarkable and people don't give him nearly enough credit. And say what you want, but one of the benefits of being in government for 50 years is you know how to get stuff done. So that was kind of the show on in the main tent of the circus, but any good circus has got a sideshow. And one of the sideshows yesterday was an exchange between Senator Mitt Romney and a guy named George Santos. So this guy's kind of like a real-life version of that movie, Catch Me If You Can, except not good-looking or very smart. And y'all know I love me some Mitt Romney. Everything that Mitt Romney is is what George Santos isn't. So in case you've been under a rock and you just don't know, let me, let me just give you the greatest hits from this guy, George Santos. So he said he graduated top of his class at NYU, but he didn't go to NYU. He said he worked for Citigroup, Goldman Sachs. Nope. He set up a GoFundMe to help pay for a homeless veteran's dog surgery. He raised the money and then kept it and didn't give it to the homeless guy and the dog died. He said his grandparents fled the Holocaust and then he was Jewish. He's not even Jewish. His grandparents weren't in the Holocaust. Who lies about the Holocaust? He said he lost four employees in the Pulse nightclub shooting. Uh, nuh-uh. Said his mom died on 9-11, then later said she died of cancer from 9-11, and then later we find out that his mom wasn't even in the country on 9-11. He said his apartment was robbed. His name isn't even George Santos, but Anthony something. He said he was a drag queen in Brazil. He also said he produced Spider-Man on Broadway, and I never saw it, but I did see the reviews, so I'm thinking that might not be something I'd lie about. So about last night, it was the first real State of the Union in a long time, so it was a big deal. And aside of being a newbie, he's been in the news like every day. And also, hugely scandalous, huge distraction, giant embarrassment for the party, so Mitt Romney was not at all happy to see him smack in the middle of the camera shot, backslapping like the man of the hour. Romney thought it was inappropriate, and he told him so. I don't know the exact words I said. He shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't be in the... In the it, look, he's a sick puppy. Uh, he, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be there. A sick puppy. I mean, that's kind of like the nicest. I mean, isn't that a Mormon thing to say? Like, if you're gonna dog on somebody, you know, other people would call him all kinds of terrible expletives. You just go, oh, he's a sick puppy. I mean, mind you, nobody in the Republican Party has suggested or asked him to step down. So, honestly, I'm glad that Mitt Romney is embarrassed by him, but I don't really feel like anybody else is embarrassed enough. And let's be honest, this isn't just about George Santos. This is a whole cast of barnyard oddities, just weirdos and crazies. 
In fact, that very word was brought up by the person who delivered the rebuttal to the president's speech last night. As you may know, the opposing party gets to deliver their own speech, uh, usually ostensibly to kind of counter what the president says. This kind of was on its own track. Um, Give a listen. You and I were put on this earth for such a time as this to charge boldly ahead. I'm for freedom. He's for government control. I'm the first woman to lead my state, and he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. Whew, Margaret Atwood, call your office. Full disclosure, I had to clip her up a little bit because she reads really slowly and I didn't want to spend that much time. I'll put the whole thing on my website. I don't want to misrepresent Governor Sanders, but let's just start breaking this down. Her opening call to arms statement sounded a lot like a quote she gave to CBN in 2019. She said, quote, I think God calls all of us to fill different roles at different times, and I think that he wanted Donald Trump to be president. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I guess you can say that if you want to, but it feels big for your britches to me to presume that you know what God wants, particularly when you're taking the Jesus flag and you're putting it in Donald Trump's front yard. I mean, as a Christian, doesn't that just gross you out? And let's be clear, this this speech went on and on. This is a tiny clip of it. And just this little bitty clip, she used the words radical, hijack, madness, weak, charge boldly, government control. It's just such dark, combative language. And that bit about the woke mob that doesn't even know what a woman is. I mean, what does that even mean? She's all sanctimonious about preaching freedom over government control. And yet she's governor in a state where where a teenager who gets raped is forbidden from getting the medical care she needs because of government control. Governor Huckabee's speech was supposed to be a response to Joe Biden, who was talking about taxes and infrastructure. She's talking about overhauling the school system to scrub it of CRT, which usually results in banning books, and prohibiting the term Latinx from being used on government property. So does that mean we're now banning words? Sit with that a minute. I mean, according to her, this is the new GOP. It's it's the ultimate gaslight, because while they're banning, prohibiting, and forbidding, and controlling, they're telling you it's all in the name of freedom. There's a whole new crop of Republicans who have shown that they are w- more than willing to use the power of their offices to impose their social and religious views on the people without a vote on those issues. Why? Because they were chosen by God. Look, I was at the Christian Coalition. I know the playbook. I know the, the culture war stuff. But this is a little bit new. It's a different take on it. It should make you nervous and you should kind of keep an eye on it. I guess if there is a silver lining, it's that it's not really working that well. Most candidates with that message lost in 20 and they lost in 22. And if they keep it up, they'll lose in 24. All right, let's look and see what the polls have to say about our favorite three-time loser, Donald Trump. I'll put the poll data on my website so you can see it for yourself. But the bottom line is that Donald Trump's been losing ground for a good long time. I'm going to give you good news, then some bad news, then I'm going to end on some good news. So as you probably remember, Donald Trump never broke 50% with the general vote. But in the Republican Party, he remained pretty popular even after he tried to overthrow the government. A lot of the hardcore Republicans still thought he should run again, and his numbers were pretty high up until this year. So this year he went from about 60% people thinking he should run again to down to 56, down to 47. 
In a new poll, there's a head-to-head with Donald Trump and Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, who's a lot of people are talking about to possibly be the nominee. You remember him. He's the guy with the big white boots who said that Florida is where woke goes to die. I mean, along with everyone else, right? <laughs> anyway, head-to-head, Ron DeSantis comes in at 32% to Trump's 30 So that's just with two candidates. But if you break into a field of 10 or more candidates, which is pretty likely, DeSantis actually gets a little bit more ground. And then it scatters among the other people. But Trump holds steady at 28. So they asked the question, how many of you would follow Trump out of the Republican Party into an independent party? Guess what the number was? 28. This is where the bad news starts. So this group of people is is a new phenomenon called the always Trumper. You've heard of the never Trumper? This is the always Trumper. And it's 28%. And it doesn't really matter what he does or where he goes or what he says. It's 28%. These people are prepared to follow Donald Trump into the bowels of hell. And you can say, you know, okay, it's only 28% of the Republican Party, big deal. Well, the problem is when you water that across a whole bunch of candidates, 28% is enough to get the nomination. Particularly in winner take all, which is what most Republican primaries are. Digging a little further, you know, one might be tempted to be positive and go, oh, well, at least the Republican Party has come to their senses and they know that Donald Trump is a bad person. Mm, Not really. That's not the reason they don't want to be for him. They're not for him because he loses. He's a three-time loser now, and they don't want to lose anymore. Has nothing to do with morality, right and wrong, the fact that he tried to overthrow the government. Could it be just because they're good Christian people and they just don't want to support a bad person? No, they just want to win. All right, Gretchen, where's the good news? This is all bad news. The good news is in a head-to-head between Biden and Trump, Biden wins by seven points, which is a pretty comfortable lead. But it's weird good news because do we want those to be our two choices, a 78-year-old versus an 82-year-old? I think we probably don't. So this circles back a little bit to what I was talking about at the very beginning about how the train's moving fast and life's moving fast and we kind of need to know what it is that we want because 2024 is going to be here sooner than we know. Here's my question. Does the Republican Party even want to come back? Do they even want to try to establish any degree of dignity or decorum or legitimacy? Or are they just pretty happy how they are? And if they decide to stay down there in the mud, are we going to stay down there with them? Those are questions we got to ask ourselves. We don't need to get all spun up about it, but maybe we need to heed the advice that we give to our own kids. Think for ourselves. Make our own decisions. Try to learn from whatever mistakes we make, and let's just try not to make them again. All right, I'll leave you with this. This weekend is a Super Bowl, and you know the ads are a big deal. This time there is a commercial for, wait for it, Jesus Christ. Now, why would Jesus need a PR campaign? We'll talk about that next time. As always, I hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. Hope the sun's shining wherever you are. Talk to you next time.